Good morning, Golden Corner Church. And good morning to each and every one of you who have chosen to visit with us today. We are honored and we are thrilled to have you here in our presence. I want to share a sermon with you this morning that I've chosen to entitle Turning Point. And I can't go any further until I've asked you a personal question. And I want you to answer this question in the privacy of your own heart. And that is, how are things between you and God? I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to struggle. I feel such a strong, overwhelming sense of God's presence in this room. And He's here to do His work. How are things between you and God? I know what some of you are thinking, Ronnie, we're in church. That ought to speak for itself, shouldn't it? I know what it's like. To be sitting in church, singing Christian songs, listening to the preacher preach, and my heart be miles away from God. So I'm asking you, how are things between you and God? Would you describe your relationship with Him as close and getting closer? Or distant, getting further away. How can I know, you ask? Well, I want to encourage you to answer the following questions honestly. Do you love God? I know the answer that every one of us would give right off the bat. The answer would be, well, of course we do. Do you love him as the Bible says we should love him? With all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Does he mean more to you really than anyone else? Or anything else? Do you still make time to just sit and visit with him? Look at me. That's just Scott Lee walking across the back of the building. The question is this. Do you still make time to just sit and visit with him? You know what I'm talking about. Carving out little niches of time. Perhaps throughout the course of each day. Where you just open up the Bible and you give him the chance to talk to you. And then you pray and you talk to him. You used to do that. Do you still do that? Are you conversing with him on a regular basis? Do you still hear his voice? Clearly and distinctly. Do you still feel his presence from time to time? You know, we know that God is omnipresent, which means He's everywhere and He's with you at all times. But you know the kind of experience I'm talking about. Those times where He kind of lifts the shade, lifts the blind, and 
You don't see him, but boy, you feel him. You're acutely aware of the fact that God is right there with you. And with that sense of his presence, there's almost always this overwhelming sense of joy and peace that goes along with it. You still feel him? Is your mind ever just kind of pleasantly preoccupied with thoughts about God, just little things he's done for you or big things he's done for you and your family, things that he, maybe he said to you in time past, and you just get so caught away in those thoughts, and next thing you know, you're just you're praising him. You're just going, thank you. Thank you. You are so gracious. You are so merciful. You are so patient. You are so loving. You just kind of explode into praise. Is pleasing him still your life's ambition? And maybe instead of exploding into praise to him, you're exploding into praise in front of others about him. You just can't help talking about him. Do you occasionally get emotional just at the mention of his name? Maybe you were singing one of the songs. A while ago, and you got to thinking about God being a good, good father and your good, good father. And you just, man, you find your eyes welling up with tears. How'd you do? Would you say you're close and getting closer? Or distant and growing further apart? For those of you who are growing distant from God, how do you think God feels about this distance that's developing between the two of you? Knowing that he gave me something he wanted to say to you this morning, what are you anticipating that he would want to say to you? You know what some of you are thinking? Some of you have already drawn your toes up in your shoes. You're thinking, here it comes. Because you're assuming, I know what God would want to say to me. The condition of my relationship with him and, and what's happening between the two of us, I know God wants to tell me this morning how ashamed he is of me for allowing this to happen. I know that's what it is. I know that God is wanting to tell me how disappointed he is in me and the decisions that I've made that, that resulted in this distance. I know that God is wanting to tell me how angry he is with me because he died so that we could have this relationship and he pursues me. And I'm not pursuing him. I know he's frustrated with me, Ronnie. And I know he wants to tell me that. Really? I don't think that's what God wants to say to you. That's not what he has to say to you at all. For those of you who find yourself becoming distant from God. God's word to you is. I miss you. I sure do miss you. And I wish you would turn around. And just come back to me. You guys, Ronnie, where are you getting all this at? I'm getting it from a story found in the New Testament book of Luke, chapter number 15. And I'm going to tell you the story. And to do that, let me set the stage and tell you a little of what's happening. Whenever Jesus would teach, 
lots of people who were far from God would come to hear what he had to say. And everybody knew it was obvious that these people were far from God because of their lifestyle. The Bible describes them as sinners. In this particular chapter, they're described as notorious sinners. They, were, they had a reputation because of their sin. And then sprinkled in among these people who were far from God, there was a religious group. And the religious group had a real problem with the way Jesus associated with these men and women, these people who were far from God. As a matter of fact, they were starting to complain about it. I mean, he even sat and ate with these sinners. He ate with these people who were distant from God. Jesus knew they were complaining about it. So he decided to tell them three stories that would illustrate very clearly what God the Father thinks about people who are distant from him. The first story was about a shepherd that lost a sheep. second story was about a woman who lost a coin. And the third story was about a father who lost a son. And that's the story I want to tell you. Jesus said there was a father who had two boys. This was a good man. I think it would be safe to say he was a godly man. And it was obvious he was a very wealthy man. One day his younger son came to me and said, Dad... I want my share of your inheritance now. Now guys, that's an odd request. Wasn't typical. It was typical that the children got their share of the inheritance after the parent died. In essence, what he said to his father was, Dad, I'm tired of waiting on you to die. Tired of it. I want what's coming to me now. In other words, he was kind of saying to his dad, let's just go ahead and operate as though you were dead. How insulting a request to make of your father. How do you think the dad would react? You think he flew mad? And said, what are you talking about? How dare you? How dare you make such a request of me? Do you think he kind of folded his arms and said, over my dead body, young man. You You know what he did? He gathered together the cash equivalent to the value of one third of his estate. And he just gave it to him. He gave him what he asked for. Now, why do you think the son would make such a request of his dad? Well, in two or three days, everybody knew. This young man packed up all of his things, including this large amount of cash, and he moved out of his father's house. And that wasn't enough. He moved out of town. And that wasn't even enough. The Bible said he relocated to a distant country. He couldn't get far enough away from his dad. Oh, you want to talk about an insult. You know what he was essentially saying to his father? Listen, I want your money and I want the lifestyle it will bring me and the things I can get with it more than I want you. And more than I want a relationship with you. 
And so he moves off to a far country. And he begins to live as he wanted to live. He didn't have to worry about daddy. He didn't have to worry about daddy's God. He didn't have to worry about daddy's rules. He didn't have to try to adhere to daddy's lifestyle. He was free to do as he pleased. And the Bible said he began to live wildly. I believe he practiced drunkenness. He may have gambled. I believe he threw money at prostitutes. But he threw off all restraint, assuming now I can have and enjoy and experience the life that I wanted. The Bible says that in time, he wasted every bit of that money. Gone. He didn't buy land. He didn't buy a house. He didn't put any in the stock market. He didn't give any to charitable organizations. He wasted every bit of it on sin. One day, he had to reach for his wallet to make a a purchase, and he opened up the wallet to discover, I've got nothing left. It's all gone. Now, something had been happening while he's on this, you know, sinful rampage. The region he's living in, in is experiencing a severe famine. They are in serious economic times. He's got to get a job. The jobs were scarce. He finally convinces a farmer to hire him, and the farmer does not to keep his books, Not to drive the tractor and plow and bush hog. Not to work in the shop maintaining all the farm equipment. He is hired at the most base entry level position on the farm. He is hired to feed the pigs. And for a Jewish man, it got no lower than that. The Bible says that when he would take the food out to the pigs and throw it down in front of them that He was so hungry, he would think to himself, if I could digest that, I'd eat it. And one day while standing there alone, he had made no friends. By his choice, he was far removed from his family. He is alone and he is hungry. The Bible says he's at his lowest point. You couldn't get any lower. He had an awakening. You know what the Bible said? It said he came to his senses. And this is what he thought. Things didn't work out better for me. Things didn't work out as I had planned. Even... Daddy's slaves have got it better than me. They got a place to sleep tonight? I don't. They'll have food to eat? I don't. And he made a decision. I've gone far enough. I've gone far enough down this road away from Daddy. It's time for me to turn around. And go back to him. He came to a turning point. He decided to start on the long journey back. He even rehearsed what he was going to say to his father when he saw him. He said, I'm going to say, Dad, I'm sorry. I've I've done you wrong. I've done 
God wrong, and I'm not worthy to be a family member, but if you would just make me as one of your household slaves, that's, that's good enough for me. I don't know how long it took him to get home, but the Bible says that when he was within sight of the house, his daddy saw him. You know why I think he saw him? I think he'd been looking for him. I believe that every day, this is just hodgeology, but I believe that every day his dad would take his position on the porch and he would look down the road, the same road his boy disappeared from. And I believe he would watch the horizon, anticipating, longing for, wanting that boy to come back home. And so when he stepped inside, the dad saw him. First thing. How do you think he would respond? You think he threw his arms up like this and went, uh-huh. I knew it. I knew it wouldn't work out. I knew you'd fall on your face and have to come groveling back. And I mean, do you think he was all braced and prepared for the I told you so, boy? The Bible says that the dad jumped up and began to run to the boy. Said he was filled with compassion and love, and he embraced this filthy, nasty son of his, and he kissed him. And of course, the son steps back and he's got his spiel. You know, oh, Father, I've sinned against you and God, and I'm not worthy to be a member. Before he could finish, you know what his dad said? His dad turned to one of the servants and said, Go in the house and find the finest robe in there, and you bring it to my boy. And while you're at it, you bring one of the rings down to put on his finger. Probably had the family seal on it. And he said, Bring him a pair of sandals for his feet. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here. The father's not only forgiving him. He's restoring him. There'll be no talk about you just being a slave. You're my boy. You'll always be my boy. He said to one of the other slaves, you get the fat, fattened calf. And what, if you had money, if you were wealthy, you almost always had a calf in the stall that you were grain feeding, preparing for a Special occasion. You know what the father's saying? is what he said. I couldn't think of a more special occasion than this. I thought my boy was gone. I thought my boy was gone for good. And he is back. And you know what the Bible said? This is the way this, this, is the way this part of the story ends. So the party began. Now, what do we learn? Two quick lessons. Lesson number one, we can distance ourselves from God. You remember that was the whole purpose of Jesus telling this story was to illustrate how God feels toward those who are distant from him. We can distance ourselves from God just as the young man in this story distanced himself from his dad. How does that happen? Let me tell you where it begins. It begins when we start seeing the Christian life as no more than additional rules, commitments, and expectations that are preventing us from living a more desirable life. 
When we start thinking like Eve in the book of Genesis, that somehow or another keeping God's commands are keeping us from something better, that's where it begins. Once we're there, we begin listening to the wrong voices, looking in the wrong direction, longing for the wrong things. Soon, like the prodigal son, we're lured down the road that is actually leading us far from God. Occasionally, this move is made suddenly and abruptly or quickly, but more times than not, it's a move that's made slowly and subtly. We gradually stop visiting with God. Our conversations with God become impersonal, rushed, and infrequent. Slowly we begin to disconnect from our church. We find convenient excuses to to explain why we can no longer be involved. We begin missing more and more church services. And finally, inconspicuously, we make a clean break from God, His work, and His people. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds frighteningly familiar to some of you because that's exactly what happened to you. And for some of you, it's exactly what's happening to you now. Second lesson, the road away from God never leads us where we want to go. I bet the wayward wayward son never envisioned himself in a hog lot, broke, empty, and alone. I want you to listen carefully to me. I'm wrapping this baby up, okay? The problem with the road away from God is that it only temporarily delivers what it promises. It will pass through a place called pleasure. Typically, when we walk away from God, the first thing we would feel is just a sense of relief. You feel free. There are no more rules, no more expectations, and no more meetings. You find yourself with more time to do the things that you've secretly been longing to do all along. You can golf more, fish more, sleep late on Sunday mornings. And with the money that you were given the church, you can finally get those jet skis you've been wanting for a long time. You can do whatever you want with whomever you want, as often as you want, for as long as you want, with no guilt. For a while, it's pure pleasure. The problem with the road away from God is that it doesn't stay at a place called pleasure. Eventually, it will take you to your next destination, a place called reality. The day will come when the party ends and reality begins. There will be problems you can't solve, needs you can't meet, and hurdles you can't clear on your own. When you get to the place called reality, you'll realize that life is not a perpetual party. Life is just life. But there's another step on the road away from God. It's a place called crisis. You'll know it when you get there. Pain sets in. Money runs out. Relationships crumble. Friends are scarce. Dreams die. Laughter fades. Options narrow. And fullness turns into a gnawing emptiness. When we reach the destination called crisis, we ask ourselves this question. What went wrong? It's here we make a painful discovery. The road away from God never leads us where we want to go. 
In a lot of these two simple lessons, here's what I'm suggesting you do. Make today your turning point. The road away from God will eventually lead to a place called crisis. And arriving there can actually be a good thing. There's something about hitting the bottom that helps us start looking up. A hard fall can jolt us back to our senses and wake us up to the fact that we made a big mistake. As our thoughts clear, we begin to realize how good we had it when we were walking closely with God and and we start longing for things to be as they were. And I'm betting that that's exactly where some of you are today. You wandered away from God looking for something that you never found. And you've learned a hard lesson. Life far from God isn't better than life close to God. You're missing what you once had with God, and you're wondering, what are my options? You know what I think your best option is? Return to God. Your Heavenly Father is like the Father in our story. He's merciful, He's gracious, and He's forgiving. He isn't standing with his hands on his hip, wagging his head this morning saying, I told you so. He's looking in your direction. As a matter of fact, he's been looking in your direction for a long time. He's watching you closely, longing for your return. He'll mercifully forgive you just like that and graciously restore you just like that. Nothing would bring him greater joy this morning than your return. So why don't you turn around? Why don't you make today your turning point? Some of you have been hearing the siren song of the world. And you've just recently started down a road that is leading you away from God. I implore you, I beg you this morning, Don't go any further down that road. That road isn't taking you where you think. Why don't you turn around now and make today your turning point. If you're sitting here this morning and you know, whoa, God, you are talking to me. And I want to change the direction of my life day and you're asking Ronnie what would that take I think it takes two things I think one it takes honesty it takes honestly admitting that the current of your life is taking you further and further away from God that it's really happening and I think it requires honesty to admit that the reason I got into this undertow is I made some bad choices and some bad decisions. I put some things ahead of my relationship with God, and that's what got me on this course away from Him. I think you got to be honest and you got to admit that. I think it also requires some humility. You You think it didn't humble this kid when he had to go back home and say to his father, It's my 
the distance that we've both suffered. I created that. It takes humbly admitting that to God. And I think it, it takes humbly apologizing to God. And I'll tell you, once you get, I could throw a third one there. It could take, you say, humbly asking. I don't know about that because this father never let it come to that. The humble admission, the humble apology, boom, forgiven and restored. I'm going to ask that everybody here bow their heads and close their eyes. Please, let's create just a private moment. We've got plenty of time. Well, I have no doubt whatsoever that God gave me these words to share here today. I don't think he gave me these words to share just to those who are coming to the second service. I think he gave me these words because somebody here really, really needed to hear this. talking to you did you come into this service today drifting wandering and now that you've had a chance to kind of get your bearings you see that the path you've chosen in life is taking you further and further away from God Let's let this morning be your turning point where you begin to move back in his direction. Why don't you pray a prayer right now that goes something like this. God, I've taken a hard look at myself this morning. And I've taken an honest look at my relationship with you. I don't like the direction my life is going. Any distance between the two of us is my doing. I apologize to you, Lord, for putting some things ahead of you. I apologize for letting it come to this, but I thank you for bringing this to my attention. You help me leave here today, Lord, and pursue you with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. Because what I need is not more things and not greater accomplishments. God, I need you. No one's looking but me. I'm looking. You just prayed that prayer with me. And man, today, you have made today your turning point. I'm going to ask you to do something. Why don't you raise your right hand up in the air real high for just a moment. Say, you got, that's me, Ronnie. Come on. Yes, 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 sir, yes. Anybody else? Yes.
Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. You are a good, good Father. Yes, you are. Lord, a loving Father, a patient Father, a forgiving Father. And God, thank you for being a Father that pursues us even at times in our life we're no longer pursuing you. God, maybe this is a warning to some today that there is a path that we can enter through bad choices. We need to avoid it because the last thing we want is to become distant from you. For others, Lord, it was, a, it was a call to return home, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I pray that you will bless these people greatly. In the name of Jesus, we pray together. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed. I hope your week is incredible.